Welcome back to the weekly episode of Limitless Women. I'm Pamela, your host of the podcast show where I get an opportunity to interview really powerful and inspirational women from all around the world that share with us their successful stories despite all real life circumstances. Before we start, I would like to mention a little bit of COVID-19, which is impacting all of us in different ways. We can't ignore what's happening, but definitely we are responsible of how we are responding. Social media plays a huge and important impact. So trusting you all are doing everything possible and available to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy and safe. It's an important time to work together and keep a positive mindset that will help us to evolve. Inviting you to heal and nourish yourself in a healthy way. Exercise, meditate, eat clean, do different fun activities at home that will make you grow. Write, play games, read, pray, spend quality time with your loved ones, and keep working on your personal successful story. I'm super excited to introduce you to a fascinating woman. She's a top Canadian and international indigenous fashion designer, had participated in international runways like London, New York, South Africa, and South America. She's also a global ambassador and speaker of crew, Metis, communities in Ontario, owner of the Montinet Boutique Gallery in Hamilton, Ontario, and being featured broadly all over the press. As an Indigenous designer, she's really committed to help Indigenous communities in different countries. Her brand is conscious to make sustainable pieces only working with good quality material, helping the environment. I want to also congratulate her for winning an Art Historical Project for Society, a permanent structure made by 10,000 glass beams that takes a year to put together. I know how much this project means to you, and it's awesome that a piece of you will be permanent in our society. Welcome, Angela de Montigny. I'm very happy, glad, and thankful that you're opening the doors of your beautiful store. I am with a top native Canadian fashion designer, Angela de Montigny. Thank you for giving me your time for this interview. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm honored. So I went on your profile mm -hmm. in LinkedIn. And I always go to the reviews because most people, they don't have reviews on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I saw like multiple reviews <laughs> and all of them, they were really positive. Talking about your designs, how creative you are, very unique. And all of them are really good reviews. So I went on your page on Instagram mm -hmm. just to see a little bit more of your creations. Mm -hmm. When I saw them, I said, Yeah, they do look really different, but once when I walked in your store, there's no similarity. Like <laughs> what you can see online in real. Your designs are incredible. Oh, and I really love the vibe of your store. So, taking a little bit more about your background, your designs are indigenous yeah. designs, but like with a combination of very modern, classy. Yeah really fashionable, like something that you can totally wear and you would never know exactly that they're indigenous 100%, mm -hmm. but you can see the style. Mm -hmm. So let us know you more <laughs> about you. Thanks. Well, that's, um, it's quite uh, a lot of work and effort to 
balance those two of having you know a noticeable um, indigenous influence but to have things that are very wearable and what I do is actually indigenous luxury so it's organic and yet very I call it classic with an edge so they're timeless pieces but they are edgy still and you know you can wear them I've you know vintage pieces now that I've made things for people 25 years ago and they're still wearing them so to me that's the epitome of being sustainable it's like old-school fashion design where you make things that are such good quality and such beautiful materials mm -hmm. and the designs are so timeless that you know you have them forever and can actually pass them down you know to future generations absolutely like I can see specifically this kind of pieces mm -hmm. like they are timeless as you mentioned mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit more about your background what inspired you to be a designer I think I just always loved fashion even as a child and so and I loved you know fashion magazines and I've always been artistic and I could always draw so that's really I'm, I'm more of an artist I, I guess so when I sketch and that's how I design is I still hand draw and hand illustrate everything old school um, yeah yeah because yeah, just computers can't really capture that and so I draw everything out um, and then I'm inspired by materials that I use and I have always been so attracted to the most beautiful materials um, organic materials real silk beautiful suedes um, and leathers things that are you know luxurious to wear and and last you know, and I hate polyester. Then, you know, I'm inspired by a, a whole number of things. I'm inspired by indigenous art and my culture. And, you know, I'm Cree Métis, so I'm indigenous from the Cree side. And then I have French and English as European influences, which also is translated in how I design. Um, things that are elegant and sexy, but, but not over the, overly so, you know. Um, that anybody can wear. So the age range of my clientele is anywhere from 20 years old to 70, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Um, so I spend a lot of time when I put the collections together that all of the pieces can actually work separately or together. Like the amount of combinations that you can make is, is incredible. So I literally build wardrobes for my clients. So it's a, a lateral sustainable business in that sense my clientele I have for you know sometimes a lifetime I love that because when you buy a piece and you can wear them in so many different mm -hmm. and be creative with your own style that's what I love yeah and that's it's all about versatility so yes the pieces are expensive because of the materials and the quality and everything but they are so unbelievably versatile you can wear them so many different ways then the cost per wear is so minimal, it doesn't even make sense to buy something fast fashion. And yeah, it's, and I teach my clientele how to take care of that. And how to, how to change up how they wear the pieces too. Mm -hmm. And those pieces, they can go through generations and yeah. generations and they will yeah. last a lifetime. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more, as a designer, why did you choose to be indigenous designer? versus modern? I think because I saw um, a need um, and a lack of education 
in regards to Indigenous culture in this country and actually internationally. And this was a way of me honoring my ancestors and having something really unique and authentic. Like, you really can't be any more authentic than this. Um, and that meant more to me than just designing fashion for the sake of fashion. You know, I like things that mean something to me. And so, you know, I'm able to teach a little bit about my culture through the fashion. And so each collection has, you know, a, a name to it. And so if I'm referring to, you know, a specific um, legend or something that people don't know about our culture, then I'm able to sort of, you know, create that understanding for them. And it's, you know, fashion with meaning. That's what I love when you were showing me your collections, that your collections, they do have name, but the name have an inspiration and a meaning. Mm -hmm. And uh, three of your collections that you have here in your shop, one of them is called Respect, mm -hmm. the other one is Of the Stars, and the other one is Morning Stars. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about them. So the Respect collection was all about honoring the buffalo which is, uh, which was an animal that is, you know, very uh, important to the Cree people and the Plains indigenous people, you know, because it provided everything, food, shelter, and clothing. Um, and especially we have, you know, a buffalo uh, represented in any of our traditional ceremonies and it represents respect. Um, so I have, you know, imagery that I drew that, you know, has you know, a buffalo skull um, and then, you know, flowers representing the natural world. Um, and I'm also a big fan of um, artist George O'Keefe. Mm -hmm. So I was inspired a little bit about her and having that embroidered on, you know, suede jackets and things. And then I did my own uh, silk print. So, oh. you know, that had all of that imagery on it. And then, and then I did t-shirts, which I don't normally do so much, but we put the word respect on t-shirts and hats because I wanted to have that word out there in a much larger context. So that respect for everything, for Mother Earth, for women and children and cultures and, you know, all of that. And which was, you know, that was a very timely thing. People really understood it and embraced it. What inspire you to be meaningful at your work? Um, I don't know. It's just something that is inherent in me, I guess. I, I love indigenous culture so much because it is everything is infused with me. Everything means something. And they're all things that are important to people and, and this planet and the universe and everything that I feel that people need to be reminded of because our, our societies today seem to be a little devoid of mm -hmm. anything that's truly meaningful and significant and this is sort of my way of contributing to that right now so many designers or people that they are not even designers mm -hmm. they abuse from indigenous people mm -hmm. from all around the world it doesn't matter yeah. what country they pay them for almost nothing of their hard work handmade mm -hmm. because they need the money yeah. so they give them their pieces for free almost mm -hmm. and other people get rich yeah. how are you changing that um that kind of practice just makes me really angry i'm 
all about justice and fairness and um, indigenous people around the world have, you know, we've all been colonized and exploited and lands taken away and not having the same type of opportunities or resources as other people in the world. Um, and that has to stop. So I, indigenous people around the world are, we're such beautiful people. And so have such amazing knowledge, you know, of the land and the forests and the places that we live and how the world works, the natural world works too, um, that they need to be respected for that and people need to understand that the knowledge they have is just as important or even more so sometimes than Western knowledge. Um, and they are always treated as lesser than everybody else. And it's this respect thing again that I want to instill that and highlight and help them whether, you know, um, like I've just come back from South America and conducted workshops with indigenous women from remote tribes in Suriname and Guyana because they, they're in remote locations, they get left behind, they, they get forgotten even though the land that they're on is being, you know, utilized for you know oil and gas and resources that they don't see any um, real profit or or anything from that so you know education they, they don't have access to the same things that everybody else does and that is not right so I want to help them uh, build up their their businesses and their economies so that they can have the you know quality of life that other people do and they are you know revered and respected for the amazing skills and talent and artistry that they're they have. so talented oh my gosh it's like and and they need to be compensated for for the amazing amount of work that they do and so I want to you know provide that global attention for them so that they can you know, help themselves and, and their, you know, younger generations and their communities. It's, it's really important. It's your next personal project. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And how would you share with other women, inspire them to do something meaningful that has a positive impact to others, to the world? Um, I think if you... Uh, give back in some way and I don't mean in a way where you're kind of the one benefiting the most from it it's you know giving back or mentoring or helping you know a, a young businesswoman or whatever it is that you do um, to just give them the support and some if you've you've done it already just to you know share your information you know especially in fashion it's been I haven't had a mentor or anybody that I could have gone to really to get help from. I'm a pioneer on my own. Indigenous fashion is, is only now really starting to get any mm -hmm. kind of recognition. And I've been doing this for over 25 years. People don't want to share. Um, it's so competitive. They don't want to share information, even if they are in a, a, a separate type of business. So it's about sharing and helping you know, like giving a hand out to someone who's just starting and, and needs that help. That's at the end it's gonna return to you. Absolutely. It's a win win. Yeah. But like why to keep information to yourself or why to keep 
your creativity or your knowledge to yourself you can share it's all about sharing we Mm -hmm. learn every single day yeah something different yeah exactly and that's you know something that keeps you young um that helps your your business you know you have to constantly start look keep learning um you know markets change the world changes you know very quickly now and you know and it's all about in the younger generations are very you know much a part of that change so you know it it benefits everybody to to do that absolutely as every single designer well or almost every designer doesn't matter what field you are in we have stages and i call myself designer because i studied fashion design Mm -hmm. and graphic design as well Mm -hmm. so I had stages in my life when I had lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. So how you deal with those times? Um, I haven't really dealt with that so much, only because I have so much um, material to or cultural influences that can help me with ins- inspiration. So there's like so much there to tap into that usually I have like way too many ideas and things that I can actually implement right Um, and that's also why I I have a very diverse range of product so I have my own um, hand poured soy candles that have you know uh, essential oils from indigenous plants Mm -hmm. which is cultural related Um, I do handbags I do accessories I do jewelry I do home decor it's all there's it's limitless the amount of types of products and um, collaborations with other artists and other designers and you know I hope to be able to do shoes at some point Um, you know different types of collections it's just you know there's not enough time in my life to actually do it all so after three years of being a designer and you don't Mm -hmm. lack (laughs) imagination and creativity it's awesome yeah, it's pretty cool. So and and so when you look at it, I'm coming from what you know people in the industry would say. You're a cultural designer, so that would they think that I have a very narrow scope of what my products would be or or influenced by. But it's not the case. It's all. not the case. I can see it. It's not yeah. the case at all. No, the quite opposite. It's a yeah. mix and match, a, yeah. a little bit of this, a little yeah. bit of that, and every single piece is genic. Yeah. That's how I am seeing your designs. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. I love what I do. Right now, the fashion industry, it's really boring mm-hmm. because it's all the same. Yep. Everyone is copying everyone, yeah. and it's just because different they're... brands, but about the same thing. Yeah. How does that affect you, you with your clients? and also with your creativity because you are facing and fighting against a new fashion world and new generations they don't have the same taste and i find classical taste it's much better than nowadays and i find like right now it's all about short skirts everything like really slim to the body (laughs) and it's very different how fashion it is right now well, so fashion right now is is uh, problematic. So 
what you see, you know, fast fashion, the companies like H&M um, and Zara have kind of taken over what we would call the ready-to-wear market. Um, fast fashion, badly made, just like tons of crappy, badly made stuff out in the world. And it's all over the world, literally. Um, and so people have become used to this whole disposable thing. So, because it's so fast and they have so cheap. many- Cheap. Cheap. So many collections um, within a year. So that is also a problem. And that's what affects me is cultural appropriation because they've literally run out of ideas. How can you have anything really well designed or original, authentic when you're pumping out like 10 collections a year? You're gonna run out of ideas. And so everything has just be been rehashed and rehashed again and nothing is new. So, so that's been problematic for actual real independent designers like myself, you know, because the amount of time it takes us to actually come up with the idea, do the sketches, create the patterns and the samples. It's a lot it of work. It, oh my God, it takes a lot of time and it's very expensive. And then you've got those large companies which can pump stuff out like mm -hmm. super fast in huge volume. Um, and that's what people are using, but that's all that's available. And so anybody who is not, you know, a sample size four or six or whatever that, or in a specific age group, because, you know, predominantly those companies are gearing their market to teenagers, basically. Um, if you don't fit that model, you, you don't have a hope. So there's a huge problem that clothing out there that there's, doesn't fit most people. So there's this big gap, you know, that isn't being serviced. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a problem. That's why I do custom made. It's all about these new technology machines. It's really sad because there's no handmade anymore or people that are working for those mm -hmm. behind that machines. They don't even know what they're doing. They're basically paid, I don't know, like I heard less than $1 by day. Oh yeah. In Asia. Yeah. And so we are like our new culture, new generations, we are fitting those corporations that they yeah. are unhuman. And that's, okay, so that's in the clothing end of things. And when you start looking at, you know, what's happening in the technology world, you know, so all of our cell phones and computers and things, I mean, there are now, you know, reports coming out, and actually I know this for a fact, so I know someone who's actually been, you know, in Africa and seen this, that they have, there's child labor, and they are sitting in pools of mercury, and they're mining for gold that goes in our phones, or cobalt for computers, like they're in mines. These are little kids. It's slave child labor. And the fact that that is happening in this day and age is unbelievable. So people need to wake up. Um, you know, there are companies in Canada, I'm not gonna name names, but you know, who are fast fashion. And whenever a country becomes, you know, their labor becomes too expensive, they move to another one that's cheaper. And 
you know, and one of those factories was in Bangladesh, and there was a fire, and I think over 300 people died. Like, how can you sleep at night when that's, that's how you're making your money at the expense of people's lives? Things have to change. So, and we're losing skills that are really important, you know, tailors, people who, you know, know how to make something beautifully. Those things are being lost and we need to, to get that back. So. Lost or replaced with low cost. And so, you know, we have a quality of life here in Canada, and, you know, we've raised the minimum wage to, like, almost $15 an hour, you know, which isn't even keeping up with real estate, you know, you know, rents and houses have become unaffordable for most people, and so things have to be made, you know, at a certain cost, so how are you... Maintain your business. Yeah, it's, it's become so lopsided it's not sustainable so i foresee like some major kind of catastrophic crash is going to happen at some point because you just can't continue this and over the years it has been increasing yeah but i think like right now so many um, influencers over social media are knowledge about this mm -hmm. and so the noise started Yeah. like right now so we can be more conscious about the world especially what's happening right now in Australia it's just yeah. a wake-up call to yeah. everyone so sad um, do you see that it how people are reacting to this yeah they're starting to become more aware and I guess we can thank social media for that because you can only hide things for so long um, But more needs to be done. I mean, people throw the word sustainable around all the time, but I don't think they quite really understand what that means um, and how fast fashion is literally destroying the planet. You know, how much of your, you know, things that you buy are going in a landfill. And if they're not going in a landfill, then you're sending it, you're taking it to um, a thrift shop or mm -hmm. Valley Village or whatever who are actually a for-profit business, and whatever they don't take, there are container loads of garbage clothing that are going to Africa and other poor countries that's not even wearable to them. We're dumping our garbage in other countries. So they're going into landfills and it's, it's just crazy. It really has to stop. Like people have to start really, like I said, waking up and becoming aware. Like, think about what it is that you're purchasing, and put more thought into it. And then you will have more enjoyment. You, you know, we need to support our businesses in our own country instead of these huge, you know, corporations that are just sucking the life out of of everybody. And so now, you know, what's happening in the whole world? It's like. You know, the the 1% is now becoming the 10% of the world that have all of the wealth and everybody else is, you know, the middle classes are disappearing. It's mm -hmm. the poor getting poor and definitely it's, you know, it's such an imbalance, you know. I think we have to like really take stock of how we do things. But I love what you said. Think before you purchase something. Mm -hmm. Who made it? Where, what kind of material is it? What, what is the story behind it? Know where it came from. That's really super important. 
around one year and a half ago, I was trying to create a collection uh, from indigenous in Mexico to export it to Europe. And my partner and I wanted to create like this brand that has the story from the people hand-meeting mm-hmm. each piece. We wanted to know more about them, to record where they were from, how did they do that, why, mm-hmm. and how many people they are supporting their entire families mm-hmm. become more conscious. Because right now we're just like copying styles. Yeah. Sometimes we don't even have a style because we are copying them from a magazine or from social media. And if we go to social media, everyone looks alike. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm part of this generation. Mm-hmm. We get inspired by someone else's fashion, for example. Mm-hmm. But handmade and unique pieces, you can make your own style. So now on, we're inviting you to be conscious about what are you buying mm-hmm. from what store and what's behind. If you don't have enough money and you want to spend mm-hmm. it just to buy five things with $100, $200, well, then just buy at least one thing. Like yeah, that's it. One, it's, it's quality. old school thinking, really. Yes. Buy one good investment piece that you know you can wear with a whole bunch of different things that you will have forever. And then you just sort of slowly build and collect, you know, that's how you build your wardrobe. But I find that right now we love to see lots of clothes in mm-hmm our closet and how much of it do you wear actually though you know so most women and I actually I go into women's homes and and go through their closets and I help them edit and you know you know or you buy something on sale it's like the more the better but it's actually when we really look at it you know not even a quarter of it they actually or only a quarter of it they wear everything else is like Oh, but it doesn't really work with anything else, or because they're just like buying random things instead of actually planning it, and and that's a, that's a, so a waste true. of money, mm-hmm. for one thing, and then developing your own personal style mm-hmm. because everybody has that. So not every, and I can just you know because I've been doing this so long, I can you know meet someone for the first time and mm-hmm. I can uh, assess mm-hmm. them right away. You're this type of person, you know, but I get to know them. What, what is your lifestyle? What is your career? You know, what do you do um, for fun? And then you can see based on how they look, uh, their body shape and things like that. Like not everything is going to suit somebody, right? So your own style is your own style. It may not be what is in fashion at that time, but that's a trend. That's something that's fleeting that that's not your own personal style. That's you forever, right? Absolutely. And a lot of people don't even know how to create that. Yeah. Because we all want to look like a magazine. We all want to look like a magazine. Mm -hmm. So after creating a style, Uh you started the new year 2020 Mm -hmm. with amazing news. Uh By that time, when I'm going to upload this episode, the press is going to already know. Yes. That's why I mention it right now. <laughs> Share with us your good news. So um, this is not fashion related, but it is culturally related. And I was asked to do something that was very out of the box and out of the norm for me to do. Um, and it was to, based on my style of art and beadwork that I do, Um, to see if I would be interested in creating 
art for a, um, a public art project that was very major that um, was being proposed for the Hamilton waterfront, which is going to be going uh, undergoing development. And so it was, um, you know, a call for submissions. So I thought, okay, we'll do this. And, and I came up with the idea um, because uh, the artwork had to incorporate uh, the environment, the waterfront, um, things in, in the area, and especially water was, you know, very important. And because there is no indigenous presence from an art or culture point of view really in the city itself at all, um, that what I did was I researched, you know, this area historically, uh, the first indigenous nations that were here, um, Huron and, um, Anishinaabek and that aren't here anymore and also the indigenous nations that are and the flora and the fauna and the you know the animal you know uh, species and birds and all of that that are still here and incorporated how uh, the Iroquois Thanksgiving address so you know when I do my prayers every morning you know I address all of my relations which is all of that, you know, everything in the natural oh, world. That interesting. So, you know, the creatures that fly and crawl and swim, the waters, um, they all have this spirit, all of the animals, the four-leggeds, um, the, you know, the four sacred winds, the sun and the moon and the thunderbirds, which bring the rain, and acknowledging all of that, which, you know, is also teaching people about indigenous culture and how we think being grateful and aware of all of this that is around us that people maybe take for granted or don't even think about you know how important all of that is for we all you know live together and we are all interdependent upon each other um, and incorporating you know the fact that we are living um, amongst the Niagara Escarpment in this area here especially because you know Hamilton is known for its waterfalls and its um, beautiful you know uh, geography and and all of the the forests and the, the Carolinian forest that's you know still ancient that is still here and the fact that this escarpment is an actual um, UNESCO biosphere reserve a lot of people don't even know about that either so it's it's protected from a, a worldview about how important it is here, which relates to even the importance of the rainforest in Brazil. Like it's a, it's, it's a part of Canada. Yes, but it's not even just so important for us here in this area in this region, but for the whole world, and and to elevate that information so that people start understanding and and looking at things differently. Um, and having that from an indigenous perspective, which has never been happened before. So I created um, five panels that, you know, are made from, it looks like beadwork, but they're individual glass blown beads. So they're gonna be about three pounds each. This has never been done before. So each panel depicts, you know, one of those sections with animals or birds or, or whatever, and they'll be 40 feet tall on steel structures, um, and they're going to be 
luminous. I, I had I made sure that we'd only do this with natural materials. Glass is going to be there for a million years. It's virtually indestructible. It's beautiful. It will cast, you know, different light and shadow in, you know, the changing light during the day. Um, it's, it, there's so many things. And then there's a whole education component that we're going to um, attach to this and develop. Um, I have descriptions of what each animal, bird, species, what they mean to us from a spiritual and cultural perspective, as well as, you know, what they, they do for the environment, um, attach indigenous names to them so that people can see our languages. There's so much that is involved in this that it's so exciting that I'm... It is exciting. From an education perspective as well, and, and beauty and art, and exactly. and we won. So out of... Congratulations. You know, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> so yeah, something that's never been done before. It's kind of groundbreaking, and we had, you know, some... Uh, amazing you know art submissions that we were competing against and so it's, yeah it's really um, a really exciting thing to, to work on this it is exciting and congratulations because you're doing something for society yeah. really contributing and culturally by art so it's just and amazing. so really you know this this project would be you know if I did nothing else in my career I have something that is a permanent structure that'll be here forever okay. that uh, I created or helped design and put together that, yeah, it's just kind of... Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you should uh, be very proud of yourself. Yeah, I, I am. Thanks. Thanks. Wow. And I have an amazing team of, you know, people to, you know, help put this together. So it's, you know, there's the artist who does the glass. 10,000 glass beads that he's going to have to make. So it's going to take you around a year, a year. A year to put it together, yeah. And one of the best steel fabricators in Ontario, if not Canada. And then, you know, my um, project manager who, you know, it was his idea to come to me to, you know, even give me the idea to try and do this. So it's been just a fabulous process. And it's going to become like even more fascinating. Yeah. I'm very yeah. excited. So you have been already in international runways as mm -hmm. London, New York, and South Africa. You were recently in South America, mm -hmm. and you're all over the press and TV shows, newspaper, everything. You have been covered <laughs> all of it. Even though I saw an award here that it's a brilliant-minded woman that you won in mm -hmm. 2018 for a Mind, Body, and Spirit Award hearing your story and what you focus on and what it's your biggest interest you have a huge heart like you're a really good human being oh. <laughs> no you are and you can see like through your eyes and your beautiful smile how you keep yourself so positive and in the ground well i think you know it has to do with you know a lot to do with my culture and you know i'm I feel like I have a responsibility to, I have a specific purpose in life. And so I don't really get too caught up in the surface stuff, you know, as a spiritual person. You know, um, one of the things that, you know, is that I was given this responsibility through ceremony, and we all have a purpose here, and we all have gifts. And so mine are really to, to work with 
you know, women and youth and to, you know, be of service, basically. I'm using my gifts as an artist and designer and my creativity to, you know, educate and to help people and, you know, hopefully make, you know, a positive difference in the world, really. That's what really counts at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. When you leave a positive legacy. Yeah. Someone else can be inspired by your yeah. actions. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So what makes you the most happy in life? A bunch of things, you know, my kids and my family and, and um, partner. But I also love to dance. So Latin is like one of my biggest, you know, faves. So I taught Zumba for about eight years and I still, you know, do that regularly. I don't teach anymore, but... I just don't have time, unfortunately. But I still, you know, take the classes, and I can. I took a Zumba class when I was in Guyana. That was just so fun. <laughs> that must be super fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. So yeah, those kinds of things, you know, were, you know, dancing and music and art and all that. Those things, you know, kind of keep me going. What woman inspire you the most in life? Um. I don't really think I can say anybody in particular. I think I just, women that I come across, you know, in life, well, actually, um, one woman who for sure is um, an incredible person who I consider family, and she is um, a spiritual leader, and uh, she's Mohawk, and she, you know, um, runs our traditional lodge and ceremonies and things, um, Diane Longboat who's been a huge inspiration to me and um, very much um, about education and she's, you know, she's got her master's in education. She's, um, she's been an amazing leader um, and now has been working at CAMH in Toronto and established indigenous, traditional indigenous healing for, for people who, who need it there. So, you know, I've, I'm surrounded, I've always been surrounded by women whether they're friends or you know I have friends who and they've all been always a little bit older than me uh, who've done incredible things in their lives uh, Cindy Ishoy is one of my longtime best friends and she's like a six-time Olympian in dressage and trains you know uh, equestrian riders all over the world like and they're just you know amazing strong women who you know have had their own challenges and they're strong and they have been my biggest supporters and you know I just look at them as like oh my god you can do that I can do that like that's you know really it's they're ordinary people we're all ordinary people it's not about fame or, or anything like that it's like exactly. the kind of persons you are and how many how do you help people and how do you you know how do you live your life in a way that you know is has integrity do you have any particular time in your life that was really tough for you? How you did it to get out from a bad situation? Yeah, I've had a few of those. So I've started over a few times in my life. Um, my first business that I started um, on on reserve with my then husband, and it became an abusive relationship, and I ended up having to... Um, close my business and my factory and basically leave with my two young children um, and 
find a, a place to live as all of my family is on the west coast 3,000 miles from me and literally start my business over again as a single mother and I've I've done all this on my own as a single parent for the last 15, 16 years so that's so if I can do that without any sort of you know financial support or just from you know support from my my friends and um, people who believed in me and you know like I couldn't have done it myself in that sense but um, I had to take care of my kids so that was something that you know kept me going so I actually thank them because I could have just given up and you know done something else or just you know gotten a job somewhere and and I felt compelled that you know I need I need to be doing this so. and I love this because it's amazing how you overcome a difficult, a very difficult situation. I cannot even imagine to, to feel what you felt in, in those times. But you're a positive uh, woman, and that's incredible. Well, it's really I inspiring. I think, you know, I think I've been lucky in that I've always known what I wanted to do, and I have been doing you know variations of the same thing. And you know, your your path. In your life is never a straight line. It's you know I've had to do different things in Absolutely. order to pay the bills, but they've always been related. So even if I didn't, you know, I had I didn't have a store anymore, I didn't have a factory, but I was still able. I just did things differently. Even um, 9/11 mm-hmm. was catastrophic for my business because I was uh, a lot of my business was in the U.S. And so I was selling to stores in sort of major um, tourist areas like Carmel, California, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and places like that. People stopped traveling. Um, I wasn't able to get paid for goods. I wasn't able to ship things to the States. I wasn't able to get stuff back. And I had to change the entire way I did my business. So the US was really more my market than Canada. So I had to bring everything back to Canada and, and do everything differently so then I started doing more custom and working with um, artists and performers and musicians and people like that it completely changed my business model Um, and then I started doing styling for um, you know television productions and and music videos and things like that so it just it was all related but I just had to take a different turn you know to do it and it and it all you know you just have to be flexible you know things happen and you have to be able to change and to keep going yeah you just keep going see this is one of the things that i like the most about the interview so you can share that not everything it's easy no it's 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 really tough being an entrepreneur and I've chosen one of the most difficult professions, mm-hmm. especially in this country, because in Canada, there's not a culture of supporting fashion designers. I don't really understand why, but we have like a big country and, a, and not a huge population, and fashion design is not really considered um, a profession or a business. I'm not really quite sure why that is, or Canada seems to be more interested in what is happening in fashion in other countries than what's happening in our own country. So, you know, having that support has been really difficult and our industry has changed because of NAFTA and everybody going offshore and then, 
you know, factories closing here, and, and it's just, it's been difficult to navigate. It's very expensive, you know, so I've just, you know, changed my, my business, you know, in increments to sort of try and navigate all of that. But this is what I love to do, and I'm, I'm good at it. So sometimes it's just like finding other routes to take that will, you know, maybe you haven't thought of, or just taking advantage of opportunities that come your way and not being afraid to do that. And you learn along the way. You do. And it all adds, so everything that you, that you do in your life, whether you think it's, you know, something you enjoyed or not, or it's, tough, it's all learning, and it all applies to, you know, you at the end, you know, it's all valuable. From all the paths, yeah. we, we come to one uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Keep hustling. Yeah. Keep going. And yeah. Because circumstances, we all do have circumstances. Yeah. I don't know anybody who hasn't had difficulties or challenges. I mean, there's no perfect life. No, there isn't. And, and, you know, anybody that I think you can't, as a human being, you can't, um, develop empathy or anything like that. If you, if you don't have any struggles in your life, you can, can't relate to other people. You know, as a, a human, like that's how you, it's, it's that whole yin and yang, um, mm -hmm. dark and light. Like you have to have both and you have to have some struggle in order to appreciate when things are good. You know, it's, that's just the way life is. Any particular favorite quote that you follow? Um, say that I mean I, I I like to you know see daily affirmations and you know basically I'm, I'm not like you're know, really sort of diligent with just like one specific thing because you know you on any particular day it could be different so it's but I always give thanks so every morning I get up I'm giving thanks for my life and my kids and my business and everything that has come my way and that appreciation enables you to receive. So, and that keeps me grounded too, right? Do you have particular affirmations, daily affirmations that they are part of your life? Yeah, they're, they're part of my sort of prayer ritual in the, in the morning and I just, you know, like I said, I, I give thanks for those things for my kids, for my life, for my business and for my, love in my life and um, and then you know ask for the things that, that I need and when you are focused and you have that intention and you're coming from a place of you know um, integrity and, and your heart those things start manifesting so it's all about you know that's that that balance and that give and take right in order to ask we have to to be grateful yeah Exactly, because you know none of us know how long we're going to be here, mm -hmm. um, and so and it's just my own personal thing that I've always I want to make sure that I have lived my life in a way that I have contributed positively and made made some changes for somebody or inspired somebody or this is this is what I leave here, you know. So it's not what I've taken; it's what did I give. How did I live my life? How do I live my life every day? Mm.
Well, I'm super grateful. <laughs> I'm very happy to meet you, to be here, to listen to your story, to everything that you have to share. I'm definitely very inspired by you. Like I'm living, I'm living super happy. <laughs> Um, awesome. Thank you so much, and I'm very excited for your upcoming project for indigenous not from just Canada but from all other countries. And I know that you you want to do good, and you're going to connect to the right people in the right time. Mm -hmm. And I'm very very excited. I'm looking forward to see how that project is going to grow. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I'll invite you to the big. Um the installation uh, ceremony yes, that we're going to have. Yes, absolutely. Please yeah, do. So it's going to be a big thing that we're doing. Okay, so it's awesome meeting you too. What an amazing human being, right? I admire how she takes her creative passion for fashion to the level of helping and lifting others, filling proper background and putting a meaning on every collection. Let's respect indigenous people from our countries. They have so much to contribute to our nowadays society. Have you ever thought how fashion industry affects our planet? I invite you to read an incredible and very interesting article in the New York Times named How Fast Fashion is Destroying the Planet, where we can learn that more than 60% of fabrics are synthetic, which most of them end up in the ocean. It's time to be conscious and instead of having a full wardrobe, collect timeless pieces helping the economy of local designers. And it's also a way to stop slavery and contributing to big brands that offer cheap clothes by having factories full of women and children. Let's increase a more sustainable lifestyle. Don't forget to smile and Angela's information is attached if you would like to get in touch with her.